Welcome to the Ask the Experts podcast. Here's Karen Bhatia. I am Karen Bhatia speaking with Showtime Sean Porter. He's my broadcast partner and now a retired fighter. Sean, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Um, I, I guess, put I don't know. Retirement hasn't really sunk in yet, but is where I, you know, I think uh, when you're fighting once or twice a year anyway, I think, I think it's, you know, until a fight's announced, you know, or a fight's being, being prepared, you know, you, you kind of really don't feel, you know I mean? The, the, the sense of being a fighter per se, you know, obviously the training and stuff like that is always going, but I would say right now, man, uh, just hearing it, every time I hear it, I'm like, it's kind of a little bit more mind blowing than I expected it to be, but um i'm blessed nevertheless absolutely and i know you had some time uh between fights there uh over a year uh between fights so so i I completely understand that sentiment and and let's talk about your last fight you took on who many people uh think is the number one pound for pound fighter in the world you were having tremendous success in there Uh, i've always said and, and many people have said fighting sean porter is like fighting a hurricane man you swarm these guys but you were you were swarming at times, but you were also moving. You were doing a bunch of things in there. Um, how yeah. did you feel uh, in there early on, mid rounds? How were you feeling about your performance? Um, funny. Um, I think in the moment, I felt, I felt, uh, I felt like the fight was close. In the moment, I, I felt like I was hesitating a little bit more than I wanted to. Every time I came to the corner, I felt like my dad was giving me good instruction. And going back out to the to the center of the ring, it was like implement, 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 and then it's kind of like he was slowly kind of regressing away from what what the instructions were from the corner. And um, you know, I, I I really do, man. I think the fight went the way that it went, and um, you know, I was actually uh, I was elated to hear that a lot of people had the fight his way, a lot of people had it my way, a lot of people had it very close. You know, I think uh, those are the best nights for boxing. And I think that people could see that there was more strategy than than just two top guys not willing to throw punches. You know what I mean? Like there was so much strategy involved on, on both sides. And uh, that dude, uh, that dude, Bud Crawford is something else. Absolutely. I mean, it was a high level chess match. You guys were engaging. Um, it was kind of an edge of your seat fight because you really didn't know which way this was going to go. Um, yeah. We know we know what happened uh, when you got knocked down late in the fight twice. Um, and I know you spoke about this on the Porterway podcast. Anyone's listening, you must check out the Porterway podcast. But I wanted to get your thoughts as well. I know that when you went down the second time, we saw you visibly frustrated hitting the canvas. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And you mentioned on, on your podcast that that's when inner demons were going through your mind. So I just wanted to know yeah. if you could kind of take us into the peak of what was going on there. What was going through your mind at that moment? The peak there was, my thoughts were literally, what are you doing? Why are you? Why are your hands down? Why are you getting hit? And that was after the first knockdown. The second knockdown was because I didn't, I spoke all of that, but I didn't correct it. And I was on the on the canvas, you know, just out of frustration. My dad, like, you know, I said this on the po- on the podcast as well. My dad's really never seen me in that state where I've been taking just clean shots and not able to make the adjustment to not take those shots, make the the, the do the, the the defensive movements necessary to keep myself safe. 
which is why my dad uh, was like, all right, no, you're done. That's it. Um, in retrospect, I really do, the, you know, the further away I get from the situation, the more I agree with what my dad did because I, if you see, so you see me hitting the canvas, but what you don't really understand is that Sean Porter is out of his mind right there. And any fighter out of their, out of their mind, out of their right mind, won't be able to do the things necessary, not just to uh, survive. We've never been survivors in the ring. We've always been winners and close seconds, if that, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, where that fight at that point in time called for survival mode, I was out of my mind, you know what I mean? I was so frustrated with myself, mad at myself, and not to take anything from Bud, but I was just like, what are you doing? F what he's doing, what are you doing, you know? So, you know, I was out of my mind, and, you know, my dad, in a lot of ways, he knows me better than anyone. So, you know, he did what he did. And he did stop the fight in the 10th round. I mean, I've, I've spoken a lot about fighter safety. It's always good for a fight to be stopped too early than too late. I think that's just a universal rule. And, you, you know, obviously your dad felt like he knew what was to come and, and no one knows you better than he does, of course. Um, I, I have to ask you about the moment during the post-fight interview. We know that uh, your dad uh, expressed his frustration. Um, and I, I'm just wondering... As your dad was saying that he wasn't uh, happy with you know your preparation for this fight, you were standing there on national TV. I mean, what was what was going through your head as your dad was saying that? Honestly, I, I was thinking, don't no, don't 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 go there, Dad. You know, don't go there. It wasn't that he wasn't pleased with the entire preparation, but there were certain spots that my dad felt if he didn't do that. It's going to show up in the on fight night. And um, I think in a lot of ways, I did everything I could to make sure that it didn't. But when you take a look at that moment, that is very well a moment that could have been taken care of in the ring. We, we Obviously, we don't know. Uh, hindsight's 50-50. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I, like, like I've said on my podcast, I know my dad better than anyone in this world. And, um, and, I, and I understood it, from the moment his he opened his mouth and he started to say, I understood where, where he was going. You know, I think a lot of people were just very disappointed when you see me give my all, give my best time in and time out. You don't really, you, you can't agree with anyone who would say he didn't give his all in, in training. And so it just happens to be my dad, you know? So everybody, it's funny. It's like everybody's come to my defense but it's the guest, the 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 probably the second per person closest to me now to my wife, and uh, you know, it just kind of was one of those situations. I think you know, at the same time, you know, everybody expects us, every fighter, to be Superman, and expect everyone around us to be spotless. And that was a moment where you know emotions were running high, and you know, we can't be as spotless as as we've always shown. You know, and I don't think he regrets it. I think if anything, he he knows that. Uh, he was trying to get his point across, not just to me in that moment, but to the world, you know, and yeah, he definitely got that point across to me. So. And during that same exchange, your dad said, I'm going to be having breakfast with him the next morning. So let me ask you, did you have breakfast yeah. with your dad the next morning? My dad, see, the next morning was Sunday. My dad came over, I believe, twice on Sunday. And uh, today is Wednesday. Today's Tuesday. Today's Wednesday. 
I've seen my dad. I saw we were out giving turkeys all day today, frozen turkeys. We were out giving, uh, doing that all day today. He came over, I think, twice yesterday. My dad can drive to my house in about 20 seconds once he pulls out of his driveway. I don't have to. Uh, my my house is built on a little bit of a hill, so I can ride my bike to my dad's house and coast there without taking one pedal. So we're that close to one another, and and um, you know, I think that in saying, yo, I I don't care what you guys say, I'm gonna see him tomorrow. He'll 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 see me all the time, and nothing's gonna change between us. Absolutely, and. Uh, I'm not going to ask you the exact, you know, issue or situation because I know it's personal, but I know you you have talked a little bit about it on your podcast and elsewhere. Uh, and you said that you didn't go through fire the way that your dad wanted you to. Um, you mentioned that this was the first time in your life that you said no to your dad. So I'm just curious, you know, from your perspective, uh, you you said no to your dad. You you went out on your own terms, and I'm just wondering if if there's part of you that just you know, has some self-respect for that because you, you said no and you handled that as, as a man on your own, in your own terms. Yeah, well, you know what? Again, high size 50-50, we, we really don't know what would have happened if I had gone through that fire. But I, I can tell you this, after going through the fire as many times as I've had before that, that, that big fight, uh, it wears you down. You know what I mean? And I just, I did not want to be worn down mentally physically emotionally spiritually any capacity at all which is why i decided you know hey uh i'm you know and it was never anything verbal it was just you know he was asking for 10 rounds and if not if i felt like i was done at nine i was just like dad i'm done and you know i i got got the hell out of the way before before there could be that backfire you know what i mean um i think that collectively when you take a look at the the overall body of work I've had as an elite amateur, as an elite professional, I think that uh, that will over time it'll override whatever happened in this in this last camp, whatever happened in this last fight. I'm gonna always be rooting for uh, Terence Crawford, uh, and, and I'm, I'll be open about this right now. I don't know if I was before, but you know I've watched a lot of my colleagues, a lot of my fighters. Uh, the fighters, whether I was going against them or they're just somebody in another weight class, I try to learn from everyone. I told Timothy Bradley, I said, man, you changed my life as a fighter. When I saw you fight Provotnikov, I said, I never want to take that type, those type of punches. I said, but you changed my life. I said, after I saw you fight Provotnikov, I, I sat back and I said, if, if I don't fight with that kind of heart, that kind of determination, I'm not giving it my all. I said, I decided that no matter what, I'd always fight like you did in that in those moments in the ring. I said, I'm, I'm not saying I want to take those shots, but the determination that you had, you never gave up. And I always felt like if I didn't fight like you did in those moments, that I, I didn't do everything that I could do. And then move forward into, into Terrence Crawford. I was watching him fight one time. I'm like, man, this dude's having fun. I was like, I got to figure out a way to have fun in the ring. And so through the course of time, you start to see me loosen up more in interviews. You start to see me take the, the promotion side of things and make it more fun and, and, and add that, sh that port away to it. I looked at Terrence Crawford. I don't know what fight it was that he had. This was years ago. But I was like, if I'm not having fun, then what? If he can have fun, I can have fun. I did not have fun on Saturday night. <laughs> 
but ever since, man, I, I really have. I've, I've been able to enjoy uh, what we did on Saturday night. We had him on the podcast. I was I was very elated and, and glad that he was able to come on. And uh, I look forward to having more fun outside of the ring now. How about that? That's great, man. That's great to hear. And you, you definitely carried yourself with, with such class. You took on all comers. You definitely had fun out there. And that makes a lot of sense in terms of what you said about Tim Bradley. I mean, when he was fighting Provodnikov, he was almost out on his feet and still throwing punches. And, and he had the heart of a champion, as, as, as did you, for sure. Um, yeah. I know that you said uh, before this fight, you were prepared to retire. You said, uh, I was prepared to ret- uh, announce my retirement tonight, win, lose, or draw. Um, yeah. So my question for you is, and we know why you wanted to to retire. You said, you you know, you're you're 34 years old. You you have uh, your family, you have everything in front of you. You don't want to be a gatekeeper. When did you decide um, that this was going to be your final fight? And and did you let your close friends and family know that decision? You know what? Even moving beyond, answer the first thing, even moving beyond being a gatekeeper, I think I just kind of spoke out to that in the post-fight press conference. I, I really don't see my career, even with four losses, me going into kind of a gatekeeper phase. I really wouldn't wouldn't see that. Um, but what I what I do see is I give you a fine example. You see in the um, the Fabulous Four, and they did. I think the name of that show was The Kings on uh, on Showtime, and you would see them retire, come back, and and fight all of the the best guys and all that kind of stuff, and. I was. I had to remind myself my legacy isn't what their legacies w- were and are. My legacy is going to be more than fighting, more than boxing. And so, as I approached a what I considered to be, all right, that's going to be my last fight. And when it's when I'm done with that, you can be mad, you can be happy. I don't care. I'm going to be done. It was actually going to be Errol Spence Jr. I felt like Errol Spence Jr. was gonna be was the best welterweight at the point in time when I decided that he was he would be my last fight and that was when he won his IBF title against against uh against uh Kell Brook I mean like I was there in England and I was I was put my hands on my pockets all right this guy's the best in the world and uh, I don't care how long it takes for me to fight him he could be the next fight he could be five fights down the line when I fight Errol Smith Jr I'm done and when we had the fight, and after the fight, it was kind of playing in my mind. Like, when are you going to tell everyone that you're done? When are you going to tell everyone that you're, that you're going to retire? Didn't happen that night. I'm sitting in my room trying to figure out how do you tell your dad that you want to be done? I never had a conversation with him about it. And something told me, like, you got to keep going. And so I kept going, understanding that Terrence Crawford is now the guy. And after you fight Terrence, doesn't matter how long, doesn't matter when it happens, after you fight him, you'll be done with this sport from the competitive side of things. And so um, my wife has known this for some time. Um, my And one of my brothers knows or, or knew. Other than that, no one else knew that I was going to retire. And I, I actually thought that this was going to be more of a Barry Sanders type of situation for me. I thought I was going to make history. and then. Be like, eh, I'm out the door, you know. Uh, understanding that a rematch was going to be probably at least twice as much as I made in this one, I really wasn't even going to do it, even for that amount of money. It takes a lot uh, to do what I do on fight night, and to get prepared to do it is uh, is very, very hard for me. And so, you know, I always knew that this was going to be the last one once it was announced. And and to be clear, 
uh, one of the people you didn't mention there was was your dad. So your dad didn't know you were going to retire when he made the decision to stop the fight. Then my dad didn't know I was going to be done. Uh, my my dad and I we had we had spoken uh, either last year or, or it was last year. We spoke last year. This pandemic had happened, and uh, some other, some other things that I'm dealing with even physically, where uh, we're we're kind of looking at it like. I don't know. And so, you know, uh, we, we pushed through and we made this fight happen. Uh, I will, I'm not taking anything from Terrence Crawford. There's nothing physically that held me back from doing anything that I did on fight night or didn't do on fight night. I will say that. But we, we have definitely looked at some things and eventually we'll come out and talk about it. Uh, I, nothing neurological, but, but physically I am not the 100% type of fighter that everybody would expect me to be in. Eventually, when I do come out with it, I think that'll raise eyebrows just as much as my retirement has. And, and just the fact that you said that that doesn't take away from Crawford's win, that just shows the class that you have. Um, just, just a few more questions before I let you go. So you mentioned watching Errol Spence and saying, I'm going to fight that guy, and then saying that again with Crawford. Uh, of course, that's the fight that everyone wants to see. You have the unique position as one of the few human beings on planet Earth who has fought both Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford. We know Spence had the car accident. Um, he came back. He looked as better than ever, maybe better than we've ever seen. Um, now we know the eye injury, of course, but he looked – he was in the crowd. He looked He looked good. Assuming the eye is okay, if Spence and Crawford fought tomorrow, who do you think wins that fight? If if everything shows and proves that Crawford – or excuse me, that Errol Spence Jr. is as close to 100% as you can be going into a fight with Terrence Crawford, I still believe that Terrence Crawford beats – Errol Spence Jr. Uh, I think before, as I was saying it, a lot of that was me looking at both of those guys and their styles and so on and so forth and saying, you know, I just think that Terrence Crawford has a little bit more than Errol Spence Jr. And I think that he wins that fight. But uh, another side of that was me also being uh, a little biased as well towards Terrence Crawford. And I look at, I look at things, excuse me, I look at things like quads, you know, because of the Olympics. So, because he was a because Terrence, I was we were part of the same quad. I was like, you, I'm like, Errol Spence's quad ain't beating my quad, so you ain't beating Terrence Crawford, you know. So, but I do. I think that Terrence Crawford's got just he's got a he's got a style, he's got an energy, a charisma, a mentality for for fighting that very few have. A lot of people have called me a throwback fighter. I can now say that. Terrence Crawford is a throwback fighter because when you like, I look at Sugar Ray Leonard. I'll I'll, I'll compare Terrence Crawford to Sugar Ray Leonard. When I watch Sugar Ray in his fights, I'm all I'm looking in his eyes. I'm like, I don't know what you were seeing that caused you to throw that punch or caused you to make that move to make that guy miss. You just saw it and you just did it. There's nobody can define what you do and how you do it. And the same thing goes with Terrence Crawford. He has that that eye in the, in the ring. I called it the Quan, as they used to say on, on Jerry on Jerry in the Jerry Maguire with uh, with Rod Titwell. Uh, 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 um, uh, the uh, who's the who's the actor? Um, Omar Gooding, Jr. Yeah, uh, but he's got that Quan man. He's got that that it factor that very few have. I didn't see that against uh, Errol Spence Jr. 
That, that's brilliant analysis. And that, that leads me to my next question. I mean, we've seen you, of course, as an analyst on so many platforms, I've been lucky enough to work with you and I'm looking forward to, to continuing that. Uh, so what is next for you? I mean, I mean, we're seeing you doing your thing in the broadcasting booth. You've become one of the best analysts in the game. Um, what's next for Sean Porter? Um, we got a, we got a episode on the Porter Way podcast coming out, the Motivational Monday episode that'll be coming out the first Monday of December. Um, I am looking at getting into film. I am looking at uh, continuing to be a advocate, a um, a uh, uh, ambassador for the sport of boxing. I am, of course, looking forward to getting back with you and the Ring City crew. I'm looking forward to Fox. I'm looking forward to NBC. I'm looking forward to. Uh, I just got a call today from the Zone. Um, I'm gonna hold on to my. Uh, my uh, non-exclusive, non-exclusivity, and I'm gonna travel the world uh, doing commentary for sure. But definitely, film is in my future, and uh, and um, these 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 multiple uh, um, uh, uh, organizations that I'm gonna start. Um, we did one today, the Porter Way. We just handed out about about a hundred turkeys today, frozen turkeys to to different families and, and things like that. So uh, anything that's good, I'm going to be a part of it moving forward. Well, I'm certainly excited uh, to see what you do next. It's, it's always a treat to hear you on the mic and, and uh, all the other work that you're doing is, is great as well. So my final question to close it out here, um, when you look back at your amazing career, I mean, you literally fought the best possible competition, uh, one of the best welterweights uh, of our era, a champion. Um, one thing I'll say too, just just knowing you personally, is you are the same exact guy off camera that you are on camera. Uh, yeah. A great person, a, a great you. fighter. And, and you basically set a new blueprint here, right? You weren't a guy who was trying to be selective, stay on one side of the street, protect your O, anything like that. You took on all comers. Um, you did it. You did it with a huge smile on your face. And when it was time to, to fight in the ring, um, you had tremendous performances. And, and when you look back now at your resume, I mean, it's literally a who's who of the top fighters in welterweight in our era. So yeah. you feel like in a way by doing things the Porter way, uh, yeah. you've almost created a blueprint that that young fighters can follow to say this is how you can have success in boxing. This is how you can have success in life. And, and do you take pride in kind of creating that blueprint? You know, I just, let me say this, man, my legacy uh, and you guys have been throwing that word around legacy for some time now. Sorry about that. Guys have been throwing that word legacy around for some time now. And uh, believe it or not, I was thinking about my legacy from the moment I started as a professional boxer. What do I want to leave people with? And I, I will say this as well. I sat in my room one day trying to figure out what's going to be my gimmick. I need people, I need something to make these people want to see me. What am I going to do? How can I do this? And after a couple of hours, literally, in the, in the, in the quietness of my room, I could not figure out what, what, what's the good gimmick for me. And I literally, I was like, threw my hands up. I was like, I can't think of anything. I'm tired of sitting here. This is frustrating me now. And I, I have a lot of patience. I can say that too about the other night. I have a lot of patience and I, my patience, he, Terrence took all that patience away from me, but I regressed. I said, I, I guess I'll just be myself because I got nothing. 
being myself got me everywhere that I've been as a professional boxer, as a, as a professional athlete, as a professional, as a human. And I continue to do that. And so that would, that began, that was like a part of my legacy, just to be yourself and allow everyone to love who you are and what you want to do. And the other side of that legacy was what are people going to remember you for? I don't want people just to remember me as a fighter. I don't want people just to remember me for, for winning belts. And I think over the course of time, it's turned into, in order for you to be your best self, you have to put yourself up against the best. And I think that um, you call it a blueprint. I like to call it a standard. I like to think that I've set a standard of when the time's right, not right out of the blocks fighting the best, but when the time's right, you have to put yourself up against the best and not be afraid of that failure and not be afraid of that success. Because behind success means you got to go up against another great. And then, of course, if you're afraid of that failure, then you'll never reach your full potential of greatness. You know what I mean? So I like to think that my legacy is, is more than fighting. But within the fight game, it's always about being your best. And being your best means going up against the best. I'm certainly inspired. I want to thank you not only for the time for this interview, but just your amazing career. You 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 were fearless in there. You you fought everyone and you entertained us to the highest level. Uh, I want to congratulate you on a retirement and and thanks so much for speaking with me. I hope to see you soon. And that brings us to the end. Thank you so much for joining me and thank you to my guests you want to follow us uh you can follow at ate underscore podcast that's on instagram and twitter if you want to follow my personal channels it's at c-u-r-r-a-n-b-h-a-t-i-a on instagram and twitter that's at karen batia at on instagram and twitter please subscribe on youtube youtube.com backslash karen batia Uh, Please check out uh, our show on iTunes. Hit subscribe. Give us a five-star review. If you want to email the show, it's asktheexpertspod at gmail.com. I am Karan Bhatia, and this was Ask the Experts. Thank you for listening to Ask the Experts with Karan Bhatia. 